Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. At all of our, our campuses over the next season, which is, uh, we're aiming for a term, it might be longer, probably won't be less. We're, we're wanting to focus in on the Holy Spirit, um, and we're wanting to just look at all different things with regards to the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing with that is, is that uh, as we were sitting down as um, leaders um, with all the different campuses online, and we were talking about the different things we would share on, it's like, uh, it's awesome because we're not going for the, the run-of-the-mill usual journey that you would go on with that. Okay, whatever your normal journey is. And um, I'm excited about it because you know, as we, we learn more about this, I believe it's going to help us to function more effectively in the things of the Spirit, which is called fruitful Christianity. So it's going to enable us to be more fruitful as believers. Okay? As I was meditating on these things, I, I, I realized that if we want to walk in victory in any area of our lives, this is one of the big things we have to understand and see. How to get into, how to receive from the Spirit, live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And it's not something weird, okay? It's not something uh, uh, strange and it shouldn't be something um, even awkward because it should be normal for us. Yeah, as I, I was also thinking about this, I realized like there's a lot of digging into the Word that you need to do uh, uh, with any topic. And um, I realized like some people come to church because they want a sermonette. And they want a bit of an encouragement, and then they want to leave. We're not that church. <laughs> Unless I'm maybe not sure that someone who hasn't done it before stands up. But uh, uh, we generally, even those people don't do that. But uh, it's like we, we really want to dig deep, and we want to uh, get like meaty. And, and yes, there's milk available too, but we want to grow. And that's, that's what motivates us to, to get into the Word together like this. Okay, So we need to understand the things of the Spirit for victorious Christian living. If you aren't getting into the Word and, and learning to live in the Spirit, then you, you probably won't be victorious and you're going to do prayer shopping. Okay, some of you know what that is because I said it this morning. Some of you don't have a clue. But prayer shopping is when you bounce from pastor to pastor or man of God to man of God, looking for someone to pray for you, hoping that this is going to be the one. I've gone to many different conferences with big names and in, in South Africa and everywhere, but in South Africa specifically, when we've hosted conferences as well, it's amazing, I don't know, I want to say I laugh at it, but I do, how the same people always come early and sit behind the guest speaker so that they can corner them as soon as they're ready, please pray for me, for the same problem. And I understand the desperation, I understand the needing an answer, the miracle, the whatever, but... We should be seeking, be able to receive from God. We need to grow up to that place. Yes, there's a place of receiving through uh, Christ in each other. And I believe like we should be humble enough to ask for prayer when we need prayer. Not just in pride, think that we can do it alone. But what I mean is like we shouldn't be chasing out something. If you're chasing a man of God out there and not asking the brothers and sisters in your church family to pray for you, then you definitely know you're wrong. Okay, then, then you definitely got the wrong focus. But let's, um, you know, let, let's start off with, with this thought. We need to know that we are God's address for this to work. We need to know that we are God's address. So we don't go looking in the wrong places. Because there's people looking for God. And funnily enough, there's Christians looking for God. 
A Christian should never have to look for God because He's in us. Okay, We are His address. But we're going to start off with this question. What is true Christianity? What is true Christianity? Because your view of Christianity determines your experience of it. Okay, I know people in all sorts of different parts of the, the, the Christianity and some very religious and some uh, uh, very non-religious and you've got different sects and things like that. And The way that we, 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 we see things is usually the way we experience things. So we need to make sure we see it right. Okay? So how, how, how would you define Christianity? What's your view of Christianity? We're going to go through some basics of salvation. And I didn't want to do this. To be honest, because for majority of us, it's probably like, I want to do something more exciting, more meaty or whatever. This is going to, you'll see, very meaty. I encourage you to just take the references down. <laughs> or if you want the slideshow, you can ask us and we'll WhatsApp it to you. Because I put all the scriptures on the screen because there's a lot. Because I just want to take you through a journey of seeing what salvation's all about. Okay? And, um, you know, you might know this, you might not know this. Some of you might get saved uh, because you realized maybe you were just coming to church. Praise God if that happens. I would want to know if I, I didn't realize I wasn't saved. Um, but then, you know, for, for the rest of us, um, maybe you'll even uh, 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 take notes and it'll help you to share it with someone else. Because the job of the pastor, the leaders in church, isn't just to equip, isn't just to preach and minister to, it's to equip and so we want to equip you. And so all these verses can help you to understand better so that you can share this better with someone. Salvation. We're wanting to equip you in this. What is salvation? Salvation is basically having your sins forgiven, all your sins forgiven, so that you can receive the Spirit of God, which is eternal life. Now I'm going to have to unpack that because I never defined it like that much previously. Salvation is having all your sins forgiven so that you can receive the Spirit of God, which is eternal life. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Great. Sin came into the world through one man, and his sin brought death with it. As a result, death has spread to the whole human race because everyone has sinned. So this shows us the need for salvation because of Adam's mess. Okay? And... Um, there's going to be a lot of verses. I don't usually teach like this, but I, I really believe this is more equipping for us this evening. And it's a great platform for which to get into the things of the Spirit. Okay, this is the, the, the starting block. What do you have to do to have your sins forgiven? Don't answer it out loud. Let's look at the Scripture. It says in Acts chapter 10, verse 43, To him... All the prophets witness that through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive remission of sins. Okay? Remission of sins is more than just a pardon. It's more than a, I'm just forgetting about it, forgiving you, we're not going to hold this to your account. It, remission of sins is much more than that. It means that those sins will, it also means that those sins will never be held against you. So it's like now you're justified, is another word to put in there. That you're made just as if you've never sinned. It's never going to be held against you because now you're righteous, you're perfect. Okay, Acts chapter 13, 38 in the Passion, it says, So listen, friends, through this Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is offered to you. 
Okay, John the Baptist said in John chapter 1 verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 1 John 2 verse 2 says, And He is the payment for our sin. And not only for our sin, but the sin of the whole world. The reality is, the whole world's sins are forgiven, but some haven't received it because they haven't believed, so they don't experience that forgiveness. Okay? So how do we experience that forgiveness? We've got to believe. Verse 39 in the New King James says, And by Him, everyone who believes is justified, made just as if you've never sinned, from all things uh, which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So Moses, the law of Moses, following that couldn't do it. Believing in Jesus could. So we're, you know, we've got to realize it's not about what we do, it's about what we believe. And that's why teaching is so important. Because teaching exposes lies that we might believe. And teaching helps us see truth that we don't know so we can embrace truth so it can set us free. You should never be content with just simple worship services with no teaching. I love worship. I led worship tonight. I enjoy worship. But worship can't save anyone. Why? How do I know that? Because you've got to have the seed of the Word for someone to receive Christ so that they can be born again. They may have an experience with God or something like that, but they need the Gospel. Okay? They need to hear the Gospel. So God has declared that everyone is lost because of sin. Isaiah 64 verse 6, King James Version first says, But we are uh, all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. The Good News translation says, All of us have been sinful. Even our best actions are filthy through and through. Because of our sins, we all like leaves that wither and are just blown away by the wind. So no matter how good we think we are, no matter how good we try and how hard we try to be good, we cannot save ourselves. That's what this is saying. I remember someone in Grace Life taking uh, uh, me to one of their clients in Stellenbosch. Um, the guy was, I think, in his 90s. And uh, so, you know, this guy in Grace Life wanted us to minister to him because obviously his days are very few. And um, so we got to sit and share the gospel with this guy and his German friend, incidentally. And uh, I say that because uh, we're German. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Both of them, when I shared the gospel, were kind of like, it can't be like that. You have to be a good person. And I was like, no, you don't. (laughs) And I showed them, and they're like, no, 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 you've got to at least try. I was like, no, you don't. And and they're just like, that's too good to be true. I was like, that's what we call it, the gospel, the good news, nearly too good to be true. But it is. (laughs) You know, we've, we've got to see that it's not about what we do, it's about what He's done. This verse really blessed me, and I was excited about this verse and the whole message the most probably. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That We kind of look at that in, 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 in different ways. But what it means is that when we're not born again, we are short of something. Like an accounting term. We, it's not like we, we, we slipped. It's more like you're lacking something. You don't have something you should have. Okay, so now we're getting on to what is salvation. Salvation is 
us having the thing that we didn't have that now we do have. Okay? There's your cliffhanger. <laughs> so, when we receive Christ, we have His Spirit now living in us. That's eternal life. And now we no longer fall short of the glory of God. That's salvation. Okay? Romans chapter 3 verse 20, you can put it up. Those who, who are trying to keep the law of Moses or trying to be good and of themselves, you know, they, they, they um, don't even know basically what the purpose of the law was. Because it's not for us to, to try and live up to. Okay, they've also sinned. Even though they're trying to do good. Romans chapter 3 verse 20, For no one is put right in God's sight by doing what the law requires. What the, and uh, what the law does is to make us know that we have sinned. So, the law was never uh, uh, intended for us to aim at it and get it right. Those of you who uh, enjoy the law and trying to be perfect, it's like it's impossible. Its purpose is to show you you need Jesus. Its purpose is to show you that you need help, you need a Savior. You can't do it on your own. You know, many of us, may, may, or many people, make the mistake of thinking that they can just be accepted by God by doing what the law says. The law doesn't make anyone right, it just shows us that we are wrong. The law cannot make you right. The, the pur true purpose of the law was to preach Jesus. Uh, you may not have heard it like that, <laughs> but I, 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 I thought of it like that for the first time this week because Jesus said, Moses wrote of me. And so Moses, the law, is actually talking about Jesus, your need for a Savior. It's not talking about your to-do list. Okay? Romans chapter 5, verse 20, Good News Translation. Law was introduced in order to increase wrongdoing, but where sin increased, God's grace increased much more. The purpose of the law from the beginning was to make sin worse was not to uh, uh, give us a standard to live up to. The purpose of the law was to point to a Savior, Jesus. Okay? What happens when you preach law in the incorrect way? It strengthens sin. It doesn't uh, uh, help you fight sin. Okay? But when you preach law correctly, it points you to Jesus, and then you set free from sin. Because now you've entered into grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 56 says, The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. So you, you preach law. This is what you have to do and this is what you don't do. And it strengthens sin in your life. The poison that brought death is sin. The poison that brought destruction is sin. The law doesn't help us to fight sin. The law helps sin against you. The law helps sin against you unless you're using the law to, to look to Jesus. And you, you're seeing how it's pointing towards your need for a Savior. Galatians 2 verse 16, Good News Translation says, Yet we know that a person is put right with God only through faith in Jesus Christ, never by doing what the law requires. We too have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be put right with God through our faith in Christ, not by doing what the law requires. For no one is put right with God by doing what the law requires. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. And what it's showing us is that salvation is also about being right with God. 
Righteousness. We'll get into it now. It's about right, being right with God, not because you're living right, not because you're doing right, but because He's made you right because you believe in Him. And when you truly believe that, it'll cause fruitfulness of right living to come out of you. Okay, it's not saying that you'll be perfect, but it's saying that, hey, all of a sudden transformation is happening in your life. Your salvation is always by a Savior. No one who was drowning ever saved themselves. Then they weren't drowning. Okay? And even if someone who's drowning tries to help the lifeguard trying to rescue them, the lifeguard, you know, I've heard, knocks them out. Why? Because they're putting the lifeguard's uh, 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 um, life in danger. We, if you want to be saved, you can't help. <laughs> Jesus doesn't need your help and He doesn't want your help to save you. Okay? Salvation is being saved by what someone else does, not by what we do. All we do is believe. Isaiah 43 verse 25, the Living Bible says, I, yes I, I alone am He who blots away your sins for my own sake, and will never think of them again. So this is showing it's all Him. God is the only one who can deal with our sins. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 43 verse 11, it says, I think it's the World English Bible, that one. It says, I myself am Yahweh, and besides me there is no Savior. So if you're looking for a Savior anywhere else, you're doomed. That's the bottom line. It's Him only. God Himself became our Savior in Christ. Amen? So, that's why today and every day, God is calling us to hear a message that saves us. To hear a message of what Christ did for us in order to provide for us salvation. Okay? Uh, Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, Come now. Come when? Now. Now. Okay, come now and let us settle the matter. God wants to settle the matter, so come now. Okay, says the Lord. What matter is it? Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they shall be like wool. So he's wanting to deal with this matter of sin once and for all. When? No. It's talking about the prophecy of Jesus coming. I tricked you there on purpose. So if you look at this, it's a prophecy. And he's saying, you know, come let us reason this together. He's saying, I'm dealing with your sin, but how did he deal with your sin? He's not today. He dealt with it through Jesus. And now we just put our faith in what he's done and we, we get uh, all the benefits of it. Isaiah 44 verse 22. I've blotted out your sin. They are all gone like morning mist at noon. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. How and when did he do this? Calvary, the cross. Okay? What I like there is he's saying he did it, not us. Isaiah 53 verse 6. There's a lot of verses this evening. All of us were like sheep that were lost. Each of us going his own way, but the Lord made the punishment fall on him, the punishment all of us deserve. He took what we deserve, so we get what he deserves. Okay, the great exchange it's called. So Jesus is God in the flesh in order to save man. Jesus wasn't just a messenger boy. Jesus just wasn't just someone sent. 
He's God in the flesh to save us. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 to 20. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to Himself, no longer counting men's sin against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message He has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you, as though God, him, uh, through Christ, sorry, as though Christ Himself were pleading with you, receive the love He offers you and be reconciled to God. So this is showing us that God was in Christ reaching out to us. He's begging us through, through the, obviously, Christ's ambassadors. How did God restore the world to Himself? The next verse, verse 21. God took the sinless Christ and poured onto Him our sin. Then in exchange, He poured God's goodness into us. If you're a Christian, if you believe that, what Jesus has done for you, you're full of God's goodness. See, this is something that we need to know about salvation because so many Christians uh, 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 walk around feeling like they're full of nothing good. You know, they, they may have a little bit of good, they may know God's with them or something, but they're not enjoying the fact that they're full of God's goodness. Full of His glory. You know, this is the reason why Jesus had to die at the cross. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Easy to read version. Christ Himself suffered when He died for you. And with that one death, He paid for your sins. He was not guilty, but He died for people who are guilty. He did this to bring all of you to God. So this is why Jesus died. Because He wanted to bring mankind to God. He wanted to bring us to Him. Okay? The death of Jesus at the cross enabled God to fulfill His promise. Now, if, if this is something I think you, you, you really need to, to take hold of. What is this promise? What is it? Okay? We're going to look at this. The, so I'm going to read that statement again. The death of Jesus at the cross enabled God to fulfill His promise. What does that by implication mean? It means that it wasn't fulfilled at the cross. We, we, we see many different events in the Bible. We see Jesus' life, His suffering, we see His death, we see His resurrection, His burial, then we see His ascension, then we see Pentecost. We see the ascension, and then we see Pentecost. And then we see His second coming, or second appearing later on. But it's like we see all these events, when it comes to the redemptive work of Christ, we need to see one thing. Because the reason for His suffering was it was leading up to the cross. The reason for the cross was the resurrection. The reason for the resurrection, it was all aiming towards Pentecost. Nothing major happened until Pentecost in the church. Pentecost was the reason. That's why we're talking about salvation. Uh, Holy, we talk about salvation even though the theme is Holy Spirit. Because for too long in, 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 in church, we, we tend to separate salvation and Holy Spirit. And I believe in the empowering of the Holy Spirit and living a Spirit-filled life and all that. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit and tongues and all that. But we need to start, stop separating Christianity from a Spirit-filled life and we need to bring it together. Because that's salvation. The death of Jesus at the cross enabled God to fulfill His promise. God had a promise for all mankind from the foundation of the world. God had a promise that He was wanting to fulfill in Christ. 
What was that promise? Well, let's look at Titus first. Titus 1, 2 to 3. It says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested His word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. So eternal life, we need to realize what eternal life is. It is relationship with God, but it's also relationship to God. Eternal life is the Spirit of God living in a man. And now you've got eternal life. John chapter 3 verse 16 shows us that His purpose for coming was to give us eternal life. How do we get that? When the Spirit of God is now dwelling in us. Okay? And this is what was promised from Genesis. But we're going to look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 is a prophecy of this. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away a stony heart out of your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall heed my ordinances and do them. So when God puts His Spirit in you, this is what eternal life is. This verse is showing us God's desire wasn't that you would be forgiven. Not that you would now just be be forgiven and that's it. But He wanted to dwell in us. That was His aim. That we would become His address. I mean, think about it by implication. If we're His address, then people should be looking for God in us. That they should be able to find God in us. And then wherever we go, God's like we're His caravan. <laughs> that wherever we go is, is where He goes and we're able to then minister to people like that. So, you know, when God puts His Spirit in you, that's what we call eternal life. This is what God always desired. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you're no longer short of His glory. Now, in a nutshell, let me just explain this, because I'm sure there's most people in the room we're coming from the same background that I've come from. Or we're in the same place, let me just say it like that. You know, salvation is having the Spirit of God. And then what we would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, I believe, really just realizing, awakening to what we've got, and a lot, surrendering to and empowering where now we, we're walking in. We need to stop separating that and bring it together and minister it all in one shot when someone says yes to Jesus. Because that's why a lot of people struggle to grow in their relationship with God because they know they're forgiven and now they're like, let's just get to that lesson and then we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks' time. Then you're busy, they're busy and you never get to talk about the things of the Spirit because you've just told them they're forgiven, just receive Jesus and you go to heaven. Salvation is much more than a ticket to heaven and a get out of jail, uh, get out of jail, get out of hell free card. It's a the spirit of God dwelling in us. So the message is about God's love for mankind. John three sixteen to seventeen. We had to go there. Amen. It's a fridge magnet scripture, but it's awesome. Meaning everyone knows it. Everyone loves it. Or should. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have what? The Spirit of God dwelling in Him. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. 
God's heart wasn't condemnation, it was liberation. God's heart wasn't, let's make people feel bad so that they follow me. It was, let's set them free. Let's do everything that we can do because we love them. The Godhead, having conversation with himself. <laughs> okay? So if we look at it, it's like, there was ne- God never condemned. The church does, but God never condemned. The church loves to do that, we love to do it. Someone in your life might like to do it, but God doesn't do that. Why? Because condemnation has already been taken at the cross and been paid for. So you're not condemned. That's why Romans chapter 8, verse 1, some of you are going to make the dot, connect the dots here. That's why it says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because there is none. It's not just a nice saying when you feel bad, it's a it's a hundred percent truth. When God deals with sin. His target is to deal with death, to eliminate death, so that we can experience this eternal life. Okay? Because now we live for, we, we're living forever, right? Now, now we're with Him forever. But Jesus came, if we look at this verse, I love it. It says, He came, uh, whosoever believes in Him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. There's two things here. He didn't want us to perish. He wanted us to experience everlasting life. Union with Him. Oneness with Him. What Ephesians chapter 1 is talking about. He wanted us to experience His Spirit dwelling in us. This relationship with Him. Not religion. Religion, I like to define, as man's effort to please or appease God. Man's effort to get closer to God. A lot of religious Christians, because they're not looking to what He's done for us and just believing it, they're looking to what do I need to do to get from where I am to where Jesus is. That's the wrong question because He's not somewhere else. He's righteous. That's why we didn't have to sing a, a, a song in a special key for the presence of God to pitch up. We just needed to sing. And it's like God saying, before you even started, I was here. The first person to walk into the building, God was, was here. doesn't matter how bad they've been this week. Why? Because He's not judging us the way we judge each other. Okay? Praise God for that. <laughs> so Jesus didn't come to give us religion. He came to give us life. And the life is Him in us. You know, many Christians focus on religion. And, 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 and by religion, obviously, man's effort to please or appease God, but even just external ordinances. What do I need to do? You can do whatever you want, stand on your head, and it won't do anything. You can fast and for three weeks, fast Jesus' 40 days. You can fast 41 days. I know some pastors, there was one, a, re, a couple, maybe three years ago, who tried to break Jesus' record for fasting, he said. The police were pulling his body out of the bush. Because he went to the bush to break Jesus as he wanted to be better than Jesus. That's foolishness. But (laughs) let's not finish that story now. But the point is, is like that's not going to get you closer to God. Because Jesus did what he needed to do to get you closer to God. Now you believe it. And then, wow, one with him. The moment you say yes to him, the moment you believe the gospel, you're one with him. And you can't get any closer. But you can realize how close you are. So John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24. Everyone doing good? Great. True worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh 
such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Here, the nature of worship is to be sh- is shown that it's completely spiritual. So what we did was sing song. And we engaged spiritually, and we enjoyed it, and we connected with God, and it was lovely. But the spiritual part wasn't the actual music or the song. Okay? It was helping us to focus. But also, we've got to realize, like, true worship is life. It's your lifestyle. True religion is true religion, or Christianity, if you want to call it true religion, is removed from different specific diets. Can't eat pork, can't eat this, have to eat that. True Christianity is removed from having to observe specific days. From feeling like I have to keep the Sabbath. Why? Jesus fulfilled the law for you. True Christianity is removed from having to wear specific clothes and perform certain ceremonies and it's placed where it belongs. True Christianity or true religion is in union with the Spirit of God. Oneness with Him. That you can enjoy Him on Monday afternoon. Even if I'm not there. (laughs) Amen? I know you want me there, but I can't be there. I've got some plans. (laughs) That is what Christianity is all about. As our union with Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.17 But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. It's not even your spirit. It's His spirit. You don't have a spirit. You have His spirit. How awesome is that? Some people don't like that. They're like, but what about my personality? You still got that. We're working on it. (laughs) That's why we're teaching, so that you can come become more like Jesus in your personality. But the point is <laughs> that, that uh, uh, you're, you, you're full of Him. Romans 5 verse 8. God showed us His great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. So we need to know this. God is not demanding anything from us in order to be saved. He's reached out. He's done the deal. Now we just believe. Make your withdrawal. You can't do anything. Baptism cannot save you. Some churches believe that baptism saves you. At its best, baptism is just an outward expression of an inward reality. At its best. That's it. But it's not necessary for salvation. Salvation is faith in the gospel, in what Jesus has done for us, and now He's living in you. Okay? God, well, Jesus... Let me say this. Jesus did not only die, but He actually rose from the dead, never to die again. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So, the reason for the resurrection was to make us right with God, just as if we've never sinned. And that's how we need to start seeing ourselves, even on our worst days, just as if we've never sinned. God did in Christ by Himself all that was needed for us to be saved. What now? Hear the Gospel, believe the Gospel, receive the Spirit of God. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Easy to read version first. It is the same with you. You heard the, me- you heard the true message, the good news about the way God saves you. 
When you heard that good news, you believed in Christ. And in Christ, God put His special mark on you by giving you the Holy Spirit that He promised. Now I taught this, I don't know how many weeks, from the beginning of Grace Life, because we went through the book of uh, Ephesians, and we went into depth on this matter, but in a very, very, very uh, uh, quick uh, um, uh, overview of this, it's like you believed this message, and when you believed this message, God put His mark on you by giving you His Spirit. Okay, God has one Spirit. So He's given you the Spirit the moment you believe. And now those, someone who's a baby Christian, just born again, we need to help them understand immediately they have got His power in them. They have got Him. Just awaken to that, realize it, surrender to it. Otherwise, they don't experience victorious Christianity for a couple of days, weeks, months, years, until they hear about the Holy Spirit. And there's a big disconnect between what they've heard about Christianity and what they've experienced about Christianity. And you've got to deal with a whole lot of uh, hardness of heart because things haven't matched up. Why? Because we've done a horrible uh, 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 work at actually not te uh, teaching them what they need to know. Rather, uh, what do we rather do? Teach them about finances, which is important, but usually it's all messed up anyway. And then, and then what? We, they don't know that the Spirit of God is living in them. But at least they're giving. <laughs> That's horrible. We need to do a better job than that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 from the New Living. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, this is awesome. Christianity is about believe, not do. This is what Paul is, is showing us here. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, which He promised long ago. This was the promise from the beginning. The Spirit of God dwelling in man. It wasn't just forgiveness of sins. And you know I believe in that. But I'm showing you there's so much more. There's so much more. Verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised. And that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. So, the question after that verse is, if it says that after we believe, when we heard the message we believe, how do we then express this faith? How do we express this faith in the Gospel in order to have Him live in us? I hope that if you've visited for longer than two weeks, you know this. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 to 10. New Living Translation. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So, it's heart belief. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. What does that mean? I mustn't go too off track because I need to, to get through some stuff. But... And what it means is that God was raised, Jesus was raised from the dead for our justification, to make us right. So what you're believing in your heart to be saved is that He did what was needed to be done to make me righteous. That's not the message that a lot of people preach when they preach the gospel. The message of the gospel is He makes you right. Believe. 
and that God raised him from the dead and then you declare him as Lord. And then what happens? God comes to dwell in you by His Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I always read that as in step 1, step 2, step 3, step 4. Try and read that at home, when now if you want, over my shoulder, and, and see it as one instant. Don't be intimidated by that word repent. Because it basically means believe. Change your belief. Change your mind. Change your thinking. So we've got to believe right. Not, it's not about just letting go of actions. How do we stop doing things that we want to stop doing or that we should stop doing? Changing our thinking. So it's about believing. Okay, Romans chapter 4 verse 8. We're getting there. The landing. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Who is this person? It's the person who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and what He's done for us. Okay, it's the, the, the Christian. Do you believe this is the question. Do you believe in what He's done for you through His death, His burial and His resurrection? If you believe that, then you're saved or you, you, you're ready to... to, 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 to for us to minister to you if you've never made that decision and prayed and to, to, to then experience the indwelling of the Spirit and yielding to that so that you can step into the victorious Christian life. You know, we, made it, we make it into a prayer. We make it into a simple thing. Raise your hand, scratch your nose. I'll be watching. Everyone's eyes are closed. That rhymes so beautifully. <laughs> and, and then we make it into something, you know, that it's, 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 it's like cheap. It's, it's sad to see what, what large parts of Christianity have become. A friend of mine messaged me a video uh, uh, that he took off of Christian television, which was selling miracle water or something like that. And it's like, you know, okay, let's leave it there. But it's like, it's not that, it's, it's, it's believe. And, and, and just believe... And then you can uh, 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 receive His Spirit. He dwells in you. And if you've never, if you've realized you've been a churchgoer for years, but you've never believed, uh, uh, you've never taken that moment to say, I believe He makes me right. I'm not going to try and make myself right anymore. That's salvation. Then we want to, to make that, that uh, pray with you to help you take that step today. Okay, we're not going to make a big hoo-ha about it. We're just going to say, come up afterwards and we'll pray for you. And then what we'll do is, like, if you realize you've never realized that the Spirit of God now dwells in you, we want to pray for you. Because it's a case of, we need to realize who we've got, what we've got, and step into it. And this next couple of weeks, that's what we're going to be focusing on, is the Spirit of God who dwells in us. And I believe it's going to empower us to be able to walk in victory, live in victory, operate in the gifts of the Spirit, all of that. When we receive this salvation, we receive His Spirit. Again, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14 says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, and when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised, and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. 
The moment we say yes to Jesus, we are now God's address. And now we've just got to come to a revelation, a realization, an acceptance of that. Are you scared of the dark, Jamie? (laughs) (laughs) Then we just need to come to a realization of that. I'm just teasing. And we've got to acknowledge that and recognize it and then step into it. Amen? So let's, let's close our eyes. I want to pray now. If you've uh, never made that decision to, to receive Christ, then now's your opportunity. If you're unsure, then you'll never be unsure again after you pray this. So just um, repeat after me in your heart. Don't pray it out loud, but just close your eyes and just say, Father, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead to make me right with you. It's not about what I do. It's about what you've done for me. And I choose to believe that. Jesus, I declare that you are Lord. I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you that my sins are all forgiven. Thank you that I am now righteous. Thank you that I am right with you. Thank you that right now, Holy Spirit, you are coming to live in me. You are now at home in me. Thank you that I am now born again. I am your child. In Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed. You know, the, 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 the tragedy of the church in 2022 is that most of the church doesn't seem to be walking in the power of the Spirit. And I'm not like I should. But it starts with just recognizing and realizing what we've got and who we are. And so probably every single time we gather together... I'm going to give us an opportunity just to focus on that for a few minutes and not to swing from the chandeliers or anything, but just to allow the Spirit to be stirred up within us and and just for us to be able to uh, uh, surrender to that empowering. And I believe we're going to see such fruitfulness coming out of that. So I'm not asking if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit or not. I'm not asking if you're a a good Christian or not. What I'm asking now is if you want to awaken more to the power of the Spirit in you, to see that fruitfulness, then just stand up with me. And I'm just going to pray for us. So if that's you, you know, what you're saying is you want to see more fruitfulness in your life. You're wanting to see more power in your life. You know, in, in Acts, it says that the believers, the disciples were gathered together, and the disciples were praying, and the disciples who were at Pentecost, these same disciples were filled with the Spirit. And that the, the, the building shook. And they had a boldness to be able to preach the gospel. I mean, that's amazing. That the people who were at the, in the upper room experienced something days or weeks or however long it was later. So you know, if you pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit softly. If you don't, then just focus on Jesus and be thankful. Open your, heart, your hands in front of you if you're comfortable to do that. But close your eyes and just... Be thankful, focus on Jesus. And Father, we just we just humble ourselves before you and say, We need you. We thank you that we have you, 
But we need to rely on you more, Father. And right now, we're just inviting you to manifest yourself in us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to manifest yourself in us and through us. Not just for feeling's sake, not just for, for an experience's sake, but for purpose. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be a witness. Victorious Christian living, fruitful Christian living comes from the Holy Spirit within us. Holy Spirit, I just right now, just thank you that you just uh, 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 manifest yourself in each one of us right now in the name of Jesus. Don't look for something to come from above. If He's within, He comes from within. You've got it. Just pray. Just, just, just be thankful. Just, you know, the, the, Jesus called it Him the, the Spirit within. Streams of living water. So I thank You, Father, right now. Streams of living water are flowing. In the name of Jesus. You know what's happening now? Those streams of living water are bringing healing. Those streams of living water are bringing refreshing. Some of you came in discouraged. As you focus on the Spirit within, as you pray in the Spirit, you're going to start to be encouraged and be refreshed. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't pray in tongues, ask God right now. Father, I want to pray in tongues. And then what's going to happen is inspiration is going to come into your mind and you're going to have to step out and speak it out. And then it's just going to begin to flow more and more and more. You won't understand it, but just do it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your ministry right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that this next season is going to be one in which we're stepping into more joy, more power. We're going to have more testimonies of more healings, more fruitfulness, more salvations in, uh, through us, uh, wherever we are, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bible says in Romans 5, 5, that the, the Holy Spirit sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. That word sheds abroad can also be translated as gush, gushes forth. So as we're focused on the Spirit, as we're letting Him flow, as we're praying in the Spirit, the love of God is gushing forth from within you. And so you should feel loved right about now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the love of the Father, which is just being made manifest in this room. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. One of the immediate things that, that would happen with something like this is, I'm sure that there's two or three words. So we'll take two or three words if someone's got a word. I've got one. I believe somebody here, you're in the right place, but you're questioning whether you're in the right place. And God is saying to you that you will not be fruitful if you keep questioning where He's told you to be. And you need to just uh, 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 rejoice where you are. Stop focusing on the greener pasture somewhere else. And, and just, just be there. there. Fo change, change your focus. focus. Thank you, Father. If you've got something, just come up.
Yeah, I just really feel like uh, God has shown, shown me specifically that someone has been having stomach issues. I don't know what it exactly is. Um, yeah, so if that is you, uh, raise your hand and I'd love to just pray for you. Just stomach issues. Awesome, I see those hands. Thank you, Father, right now. Reveal that word, Father, your heart is for healing to be manifest. And in Jesus' name, we speak life and wholeness as Shane prayed and as you prayed in the Spirit, the streams of living water, the manifestation of healing into that stomach in Jesus' name and through those stomachs. Thank you, Father, that there will be a testimony right now. Thank you, Father, that there will be a testimony of a radical change, Father, a supernatural encounter of healing being manifest in those bodies in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Last one, going once, come Jamie, and then we'll conclude you, Claudia. You walked at the same time. Um, so I just have an image of someone standing and smelling roses, which is quite cliche, but um, I just feel like someone is rushing around through life. Um, you've got plans all over, you've got, you know what's happening next week, but you aren't sitting and being thankful and realizing what's going on right now. Um, so, yeah. That's good. Father, we pray for whoever that is. We just thank you that right now they would just slow down and that they would just take time to enjoy the journey and not just the destination. That they wouldn't be in such a rush as to overlook the now and live in the moment, but that by your Spirit you would just lovingly show them and teach them how to do that. In Jesus' name. I feel there's someone in the room that's, uh, after the message, they say it in their heart, okay, this was, like, all sounds awesome, but you have no idea what I've done. And but you ha if you're thinking that, you have no idea how much God loves you. So if you're feeling that in your heart, just allow him to show you how much he's forgiven you and how much you can be part of that and how much you can walk if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.